this morning we're looking at addiction. How many of you read the article already? Two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, so about 10 or 15 of you know that I had, even not from a clinical standpoint, when I was growing up, looking back at it, even if it's from a scale, I had an addiction to video games. May not seem, you know, kind of like kind of silly and fun. Some of you are like, well, okay, what's the big deal about that? What was big was I used to steal my mother's coins from her porcelain jar that she had all her quarters and everything in. I can't tell you how much quarter, how many quarters I stole, but it was a lot over that time. You know about it before my mom does. <laughs> I don't even think I told my mom yet. But I did that for probably a few years. Arcade thing was all the rage. Miss Pac-Man, Asteroids, Galaxy, all those types of games back in the 80s. And soon after, well, when I became a Christian... I began to be aware about this addiction to playing games. It was such where I remember one of the elders' wives in Kansas City, um, she had this Game Boy. And I put a picture of that for those of you kids that don't know what Game Boys look like from 25 plus years ago. But I I remember she had a game called Tetris. It was all black, white, you know, grayscale type stuff. But she saw, let me play the game once and I got addicted to it. So much so, she actually bought me my own Game Boy so that she could have her, her, her Game Boy. And it took a lot of hours out of my day. I realized at that time that unless I did something drastic, that would be my Achilles heel. It's always has been. You combine that addiction and Mitch Davis, competitive person, <laughs> not a good combination. See, that's kind of easy. We're not talking about drugs where many get killed. We're not talking about other chemical substance abuse from prescription medication or sex addiction, alcohol. There's a lot of different kinds of addictions that are very serious where people lose their lives. In fact, every addiction is that serious at some point because of the tragedy that is associated with such addictions. The thing is, when you live in a society that is inundated with materialism, it's hard to pick out addictions in some cases where it's easy to pick out in other situations. And so we're wanting to talk about it, but at the end of this lesson, I'm hoping that it actually brings hope to any one of us that is in this room right now listening to the sermon that is actually addicted to something or some things. Because we can break the chain, not because of who we are, but because of what Christ has done for us. And we'll see how that works in and through our lives. So when we're talking about it, I want to just kind of get a sense of what addiction is. So then we're, we're talking about it from a general standpoint. Not, we're not dealing with clinical addiction or anything like that. Just generally what the word means and see how it's applied in Scripture and in our daily living. So according to Webster's, it is a strong and harmful need to regularly have something. So if you tell me I cannot function... Where is Mary? There's Martha. <laughs> I cannot function without my coffee. 
before I start my day. And Martha's not the only one. She's the only one that admits it outright to me. <laughs> You're addicted. According to this, a strong and harmful need. Well, someone say, well, that's not harmful. It helps. <laughs> when it's a need and, and you become a slave to that need, it's harmful. For all the lightness we can make about it. And it can be that. It could be caffeine. It could be sugar. It could be a number of things that are not harmful in and of themselves. It is also an unusually great interest in something or a need to do or have something. And that is where we get into activities. Some of the things that we're talking about, well, lead to what we call slavery. It's not the kind of slavery that we're, we're talking about from a historical standpoint where you're, it's forced upon you. It's not like that sex trafficking where people take you and, and, and actually buy you. I just got my first person, that, not me personally, that I heard of here in the Nashville area. This is a homeless person who Bonnie took into her home. And he sold his daughter, 15 years old. She kicked him out, but he sold her $5,000. This is a different kind of slavery. This kind of slavery that unknowing to you, you're choosing to get involved in yourself. It is a choice that ends up not becoming a choice later on. But initially it is. And so no one chooses, I'm going to do this because I want to get addicted to this or that. Yet, we choose the activities we're engaged in. You know, I want to buy this game or I want to do this activity. I want to stay on the internet. I want to use um, social media. Whatever the activity is, I want to take this drug. If we become enslaved to it, it was because we made the choice initially. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And while he does not deal with addiction, the concept is there. The concept of addiction actually is all throughout Scripture. When we talk about the heart of an individual. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 21. This like, yeah. Matthew, I say Matthew chapter 6. Let me see. Yes. He says over here, that's not it. I'm in Mark, that's why. <laughs> My glasses. Okay, Matthew chapter 6. I said, that was not reading right. In verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For, ne for, for uh, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You think about any addiction, you want it. You have to have it. You cannot do without it. It is a strong crave. And sometimes you get to the point where you don't want it, but you need it. That's what we're talking about because the heart is attached to it, strongly attached to it. Kind of like what Merriam-Webster's dictionary was, was given with regard to the habit. We are told in Romans chapter 6, when, when the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and contrasting our lives in the flesh and our lives in the spirit. 
He says, whatever your master is, whom you choose to obey, that's who you're a slave of. And so in Romans chapter 6, look at this contrast. He says in verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one's slave whom you obey. That's what we're talking about here. Being a slave. You're choosing slavery, sometimes even without knowing it. Not knowing that it's going to creep upon you. I'll give you one more illustration of confession. This happened a few months ago. So, in my desire to have activities with my children, despite knowing what's good for me and what's bad for me, Dane said, Dad, please, play this game. Ah, play this game with us. I said, son, I cannot do that. I'm addicted to games. I can't, if I do that, this is not going to be good for me. Oh, it'll be something we can do together. Thanks, son. <laughs> now that I throw my son under the bus, no, it's, it's my fault, not his. <laughs> you know what that game was? I'm going to tell you what the game was. This is so I get, get it all out. It's a game of a, a, a show I don't even watch called Star Wars, the movie Star Wars. It's a game you play on your phone. And a guy who's 46 years old start playing the game. 46 playing Star Wars? Brother, I'm telling you, if we open up everything about every one of our lives, sometimes there's embarrassing things. This is an embarrassing thing for me. I played and played and played that game because I wanted to get better at it. That's what can happen. You choose. Initially, you make the choice. By the way, I got rid of the game. I don't have the account. <laughs> That's what happens. And it can be on things that seemingly is insignificant or even funny. There's a lot of ramifications. There's a lot of chains associated with this type of slavery. I want you to look at some of the different kinds of addictions. There are a lot of addictions. You can go through an alphabetical list. Actually, there's, an, there's a website where you go through from A to Z, alphabetical list, from gambling, sex addiction, internet addiction, shopping addiction, Facebook, F-A-D, Facebook addiction disorder, social media that is, food addiction, gaming addiction, and the list goes on and on and on. We didn't even look at illicit drugs, let alone prescription meds. There's a lot of them. And if your mind is going through and kind of the cogs are turning thinking, you know what? I need to look at that diction, dictionary again, that definition. I, I may have an addiction to one of the things that are up here. I believe addiction exists in the Lord's church for a variety of reasons because, brethren, admit it. But secondly, because the numbers are so staggering. In fact, I want you to see the chains involved, and then we're going to look at one slide that just deals with a couple of numbers, about three different um, statistics. The chains of addiction is not just singular. It's multifaceted. It takes up a lot of your time. No matter what it is, 
no matter what the addiction is. It'll take up your time. It'll take up your money. And you start dreaming about Tetris, that's pretty bad. It takes up your money to feed your addiction. It may, depending on the addiction, destroy your body or control your body. It may destroy your relationships. It may hinder you from having relationships. The irony of Facebook addiction and social media is it makes you more unsociable if you're addicted to it. The irony. But those are chains. And there's a lot of them. I want you to look at some of the statistics. From the CDC, 400, well, the number actually went up this past year, 480,000. I just, 440 because that was the most common number. But CDC, 480,000 this past year died from tobacco use. A good majority are addicted to tobacco. The nicotine, and not just the nicotine, all the chemicals that are added into the cigarette are addictive qualities. Let alone the carcinogens and whatever, you know, that you can see all that all the commercials that show how bad it is for your body and what have you, but it's addictive regardless. 440,000. Can you imagine that? Half a million a year dying from that. Gambling. One of the highest suicide rates associated with addiction is from gambling. It's not a chemical in you, but boy, it sure affects the mind. And because of great debt in gambling, and there's a reason why casinos want you there at Las Vegas for a very low price. <laughs> they know they're going to get their money. 20% suicide rate. Staggering. One out of five people in this addiction. 80%, well, 79% wants to commit suicide or thinks about committing suicide. Staggering numbers regarding gambling addiction. 10% of children grow up with parents that have alcohol abuse. One out of 10 children are growing up with a parent right now addicted to alcohol. These are staggering, brethren. You take the totality of all the addictions multiplied by all the people that are involved with that addiction and then branch that out exponentially with their family members, with their, with their friends, close friends, dear friends. And it affects a whole lot more than just that individual that says, you know, this is just between me and my God. It's, I mean, it's, I'm not hurting anyone. There's so many being hurt. And like last week, when we talk about things that are going on in this world, it's going on in the body of Christ. All the addictions that I've spoken of, if we were to go through this whole country, we'd have a percentage of Christians that are struggling with addiction of some sort. It may be here as well. In fact, I know it's here because we had a brother that just shared with us last week, opened his heart to us and asked for our prayers. For one brother that shared it with us, we may have a lot of brethren that may not be sharing anything because it's embarrassing 
It's difficult for me. As we talked about last week, we need to be able to open up and share confidence with someone we can trust within the body of Christ. Hopefully, more of us in the body of Christ can be confidential, loving, praying with you, praying for you, helping you. In fact, now that I'm remembering, see how bad my memory is? A couple of you actually came up after the sermon and shared with me some of those things that you struggle with. Some of your secret sins, if you will. Saying, I am struggling with these things. And I appreciate you sharing that. We, we can work together and pray together. But imagine the hell, if I can use that term loosely, that the relationships you have with your family, with brethren that are very close to you, your friends, it's not just you, but everyone around you that's close to you that can see the destruction of addiction in your life if you're struggling with this. That's the result of something that enslaves your life that overtakes you like sin overtakes and destroys you if you continue living in it. So here's the thing. I believe, as with anything, that the creator of the universe, our God who can create Something that is so vast and so big and something so tiny as, as molecules. The God who made us with free choice. Who is over all of his creation is greater than your addiction. That's the God that we have said, Lord, I need you. I need your salvation. That's the God that we can call upon. And when we look at the scriptures, as was read for us earlier, we can see that here is our God who is greater than addiction. And I want you to look again at, at, at Hebrews chapter 12 and look at the contrast of how we can overcome by the power and by the grace of our God anything, including the chains of addiction. Again, in Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and this is talking about what just took place in chapter 11, with all those who are faced with trials that were so great, many of them would lose their physical lives. But their trust was in Jesus. They are witnesses to you and I with regard to our walk with the Lord. He says, let us lay aside every weight. And that's what this is. Addiction is a weight. It's a very heavy one too. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnare us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We need to take off the chains of addiction if that's what we are struggling with and be able to lay them aside. And he says, here's your answer how you do that. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's how you can overcome. That's how you're able to lay aside every weight when your eye is set to Jesus. Here's the thing about addiction. It's on the forefront of your mind, right? If you're addicted to something, alcohol, drugs, even the prescription medication that was starting out as to, to help with pain meds, on the forefront of your mind. Jesus needs to be on the forefront of your mind. If he's not even in your thought, 
there's no way that the spirit that God gives to us can work with us because we're not looking unto Jesus. So we have to be able to do that. And rather than being controlled by our addiction, we need to be then controlled by the Spirit of God. That's, what, that's what exactly what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. And when you look at Ephesians 5 verse 16, I want you to look at this text. In fact, I believe that it goes along the lines of what happens. That when you become a believer, when you put on Christ in baptism, Acts chapter 2 verse 38, you receive the gift. You see what in Acts 2 38? And that gift is the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, if we have him as the gift, we need to be controlled by him. And in Ephesians again, chapter 5, it says over here in this contrast, kind of like Galatians 5, the contrast with the flesh and the spirit. In Ephesians 5, he says, do not be filled. Do not be filled with wine or drunk with wine, but instead be filled with spirit. That's a contrast showing addiction. Don't be filled with the flesh, like this wine. Be filled with the Spirit of God. In fact, this mindset is such that you can actually see that one of the qualifications to serve as an elder, as an overseer, Titus, when you read Titus chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, you're not supposed to, in the King James translation, it says not to be given over to wine. New American Standard Translation says not to be addicted to wine. Because now you have another God. So instead of being controlled by these substances, you need to be controlled by the Spirit of God. That's what Paul is saying. And finally, rather than being wrapped up in your own world, and, and this is hard for me to say because, you know, it's easy to tell someone, here's what you need to do. But when you're in addiction... At some point, you feel like you've lost the choice. It's consuming you. And it's not just like, all you have to do is stop. So I don't want it to sound that way. But the desire has to be there. And if you're saying, you know what? I'm not able to overcome right now. I want to. I struggle. I, I don't seem to have any success in this. This is where God has said, I want you to know you have brothers and sisters in Christ. I've given you Jesus and I've given you his salvation and I've given you brethren who know what it's like to struggle and fail. Let alone our Savior who knows what it's like to struggle and succeed. He was tempted in every which way that we are. And while he was without sin, we know that we have Christians that are and that's not a means by which we go ahead and, and use it for a license for sin or that we can, get, okay, we can sin together. Kind of, no, nothing like that. To build each other up so we can overcome this addiction, whatever it may be. We're told in Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2, to share in each other's burdens and you so fulfill the law of Christ. That's the work that we have when we struggle. I mean, how wonderful husband and wife can work together through trials. To overcome whatever the trials are. The same thing is with addiction and using your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we looked at last week in James chapter 5, when you confess your faults or your sins to one another, that we can pray for one another and that the, the prayer of a righteous man will do very effective things on your behalf. 
That's how you overcome. Brethren, I want to add a little parenthetical statement. How we can make it harder for brethren to overcome that are struggling. As I mentioned last week and I mentioned again this week. When someone confides in you and says, I am struggling with this addiction. If you go and let other people know about that addiction, you're lost. You may even lose a brother in Christ. Or your sister in Christ. All because you have, for whatever reason in your mind, information. Makes you feel better about yourself to have information that maybe someone else doesn't have. I don't know what the reason why you would want to do such a thing. But brethren, I'm saying it because it has happened again and again and again and again. And it's no wonder why Christians don't want to confide in fellow Christians. If someone ever has a thought of sharing something that is so embarrassing, so shameful for them, and yet they're willing to overcome that shame and ask for you in your prayer, brethren, you hold on to that for their sake. And you can let them know if they are putting you, as I mentioned last week, in a precarious position, let them know you're putting me in a precarious position. If you're sharing this information, this information cannot just be set with me. I'm putting in your court. You need to let others know so you can get help. I mean, the church was never meant to be psychologists. We're Christians. That's who we are. We're not therapists. We're not psychologists that can help in other areas. That we have people who are experts in these areas that can help. But what we do is we love you and we love your soul. We can pray with you. We can be there as accountable to you and you to me kind of thing. That's what you can do as, as Christians. That's a very powerful gift God has given to us. So, I'm not expecting that we all have addictions or anything like that. It would shock me if I was the only one to say, yeah, here was mine. <laughs> I mean, mine that may not seem like a big deal. But I tell you what, stealing from your mom, that's pretty bad as far as I'm concerned. Coercing your sister, making her think she's giving you money when you're actually coercing her, that's pretty bad in my book. That's where relationships break down. Imagine doing that as an adult. Imagine lying to your family because you're hiding your addiction. Imagine hiding from your brothers and sisters in Christ who love you and love your soul because you want to continue in something that is harming you. Something that in and of itself may not be harmful, but it's harming you. There are many that are going bankrupt because they're addicted to music. Listening to music. That one slide I had up there on the phone where people go to sleep on the phone, the first thing they wake up is the phone or that smart the device. I mean, there's a lot of things that eventually overrun our lives. Think about these things. Brethren, the first love that we are to have is Jesus. And he's also our last love. He is the first and last in our lives. And when we become addicted to him, watch out. That's the addiction that is the only one that God wants us to have. <laughs> so that when we're addicted to him, we'll, we'll be the kind of children of God that will flood this planet with his love 
and with the name of Jesus as salvation. Now, if you're here this morning, this is something you're struggling with, but you're too embarrassed, call someone. I don't care who. You may decide to call on our elders. You may decide to call on one of your brothers or sisters in Christ here or somewhere else, but call someone. Do something about it. Your soul is much too precious. And I want you to know right now, if you're not a child of God, in one sense, you are a slave. Your master is not God, but Satan himself. I say that because that's what the scripture says. And either you're going to have him as your master, or you're going to have your savior, Jesus Christ, and the Father in heaven as your master. But remember, you become the slave to whom you obey. Your choice. Jesus is calling for you to come to him. And his light, or his burden, he says, is light. It's not these heavy chains that we're talking about. The affliction of your life is just that. It may be your physical life, but that's it. Eternity is with him forever. You flip that around when you're enslaved because of addiction. You're a slave to whatever it is that destroys your life, and then you're lost forever. That's a lose-lose. Why not come to the Lord right now? Come to him. Our holy God wants you, and he wants you to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, to have your sins washed away, clean slate, and have him as your master.